Howdy, friends and gamers. It's me, Layton, and I'm back. Just popping in to remind you that we have a Patreon and a video version of this episode on that Patreon, patreon.com slash Night. But more importantly, here's a content warning for today's episode for a discussion of mental illness, self-harm, and unrelatedly, dead rats. So if any of that you feel like would be triggering for you, then skip this one. Um, yeah, it's time for a very special episode. Hooray. <laughs> I see that you also lit your recording candle. What scent? Eucalyptus neroli. Oh. What is neroli? I don't know. I've got a little vanilla and bergamot. Ber- ber- bergamot? What is that? That's what's in I've actually Earl Grey, never right? been sure if the tea in bergamot is silent or not, but it's the thing in Earl Grey. Yeah. It smells good. Yes. My wife occasionally hands me candles and I sniff them and I say if they are studio appropriate or not mint scents are banned and anything overtly like floral or piney i don't like but you know eucalyptus is good yeah i'm not sure i could fully identify what eucalyptus smells like it smells like you're trying to get rid of a sinus infection you know what yeah it's pungent i get that i recently got a bunch of candles and i'm a very much like dessert scent candle person. Oh, like, that's a hard pass for me. Yes, but continue. <laughs> Allison would come over and be like, why does your place smell like pancakes? And I'm fine <laughs> with that. Now, living in the 2020s, pancakes now smell like vape to me. Anytime <sighs> I smell pancake, I'm like, who's vaping? And you know what? Most of the time, someone's vaping. Man, the vape flavors are really a nightmare. Yeah. On vacation, I was subjected to a voluminous amount of, you know, mm. fruit loop, berry, peach ring, whatever. Like, Ugh. it's noxious. I hate the vape flavors. What I love is vape culture. It's just fucking cool, right? Yeah. You think you're going to go box mod? Rip some fat cotton? I have no idea what any of those words meant in that context. <laughs> Let me guess. Does box mod, that's either a, a haircut from the 70s, or is that when you you take your vape juice and you mod its cartridge? Do you remember back in the office when Vernon would like vape into a closet? I tried never to acknowledge Vernon's presence in the office. Of course. It just, it threw me off. His whole vibe is, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes Whoa. you would see a cloud of vape, vapor, uh, and be like, yes. yeah, Vernon's in there. Sorry to call you out, Vernon. We called him a vape and Vernon, double V. yeah. We called him because it was a it was a gaming office was very, 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 very vaping Vernon or V V V V V V V V V V V. Also his favorite game. It's such a good game. It is really great. It is a great game, yes. But yeah, box mod, it's it's like a big rectangle shaped battery and you fill it up with your own oils. But it seems like disposable vapes are all the rage right now, or at least why? Really? No. Yeah, rough. But yeah, noxious fumes. Don't love it. No, and why do they smell this, this, this sickly sweet? The smells are just awful and so off-putting. Like, we had to ban vaping on the tour bus pretty fucking fast 
this time around. Uh, yeah. Last time, most people had the good sense if they were vapors to uh, vape heads. What's what's the term? Anyway, the, the yeah, the vape heads on the bus. We, we had to pretty quick say, please take that outside. I don't want the bus to smell like, you know, strawberries and barf. <laughs> Beautiful scent. Yeah. Thank you. They probably do savory vape flavors, but where's the like garlic oh. and onions vape? What would be your ultimate savory vape flavor? Garlic and onions and butter. That would be it. That's a good one. You know what? Yes. Keeps the vampires away. Uh-huh. Destroys your breath. I like that. Repels anybody with any sense. Yeah. What about you? You know what I would do? I would do like a teriyaki beef jerky. <laughs> that stuff's dank. Oh, it's real dank. Like, and just imagine that hitting you, right? A cloud of teriyaki <sighs> jerky. Here's a question. Are you into jerky and jerky culture? Of course you are. <laughs> what am I talking about? I, I mean, I'm a big jerk. Uh, I don't know about jerky <laughs> culture. This is a go-to of my father whenever we had beef jerky in the house, which was not often because it wasn't as much of a thing when I was a kid as it is now. He would gesture towards me with a piece and say, do you want some beef jerky? <laughs> which he thought was great. Ultimate dad joke. Ultimate dad joke. But why is it that sometimes you get jerky and it goes down easy? It's a little chewy, but not terrible. And other times it is a solid thing that you have to dissolve with your saliva over the course of 20 minutes and just getting it into your mouth and digesting it and chewing it, not even digesting it, just chewing it, getting it down into your stomach is a feat. So not to bring up feet. It feels like you're eating a dog treat at times yeah. like that, but you paid an arm and a leg for it. So you better choke it down. That's correct. And jerky is expensive and you buy these jerkies and sometimes they're so rough that you can feel the damage it's doing to your teeth. What's up with that? <laughs> do, do you feel that it connects That's my new you to, your, to, to, where to I'm your, draw out the W to your caveman roots of just like gnawing? Yes. Of, of course I eat only the ancientest of grains. I only eat things that I personally kill myself. Usually it's by boring them to death by talking to them. I also do that. You remember that caveman diet where there was a lot of like squatting and running around? Do you remember this? <laughs> no, I don't remember that part of it. It was some insane fad as part of like paleo. It actually might've been paleo where as part of like the paleo lifestyle or whatever this was, the person who wrote the book encouraged a lot of, well, first of all, you don't wear many clothes. And second of all, you should do a lot of like squatting and like sudden movements and running around because that's what our ancestors used to do. Part of your diet is sudden movements. Yes. Isn't that And loud awesome? grunting. Yes. And no, it's like no processed foods, lots of squatting and running, energy spikes, that sort of thing. Get an infectious disease and die without antibiotics. Yeah, at the age of 22 or whatever. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Remember when Geico did the caveman commercials and they were so popular that they were like, you know what? This is going to work great as a TV show. Yes, and you know who was in that show, right? Wh who's in that show? Nick Kroll was in that show. Was he the caveman? The Geico caveman show, I believe, had four cavemen in the show. And one of them was definitely Nick Kroll. And I bet we would recognize at least one of the other two. Geico Caveman Show. Yes. 4.3 out of 10 rating on IMDb. Of course. It ran 
October 2nd through November 13th in 2007. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, the cast, let's see, do I recognize anybody else? Actually, I don't. Nicole is the only one I know. Oh. Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> wow, these are sitcom names, if I've ever heard them. Trip McKinney. Yeah. In terms of reception from the media, the show was, quote unquote, critically savaged. (laughs) (laughs) Appropriate. Yeah. You know, the ultimate paleo experience would be not watching the show because they didn't have TV. (laughs) I honestly, honestly, I would watch this. I bet it's not as bad as we've been led to believe. Yeah. Are there any other examples of commercials that got turned into TV shows? Ted Lasso is sort of that. It's not quite a commercial, but he would like show up at NBC sports things. So I don't know if that counts. It's not like the F-R-E-E that spells free credit report.com, baby. <laughs> they didn't get yes, a show. They did not. Let's see. What would the worst commercial to be turned into a TV show would be? Flow from progressive. Flow from progressive. That yeah. would be bad. Someone definitely pitched the Geico Gecko after Caveman. Let's see. If we were going to develop a 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS <laughs> show, I mean, that that kind of pitches itself, right? It's a bunch of yeah. kids driving around in cars. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they, they one run a owns delivery a used service. car dealership. Yeah. Yes. A couple of them work for Uber and get into like little tiffs because, you know, people ordered alcohol, but they can't legally get it. So they all That's stack right. up into one trench coat and, <laughs> yeah, you know, make a fake ID. Store. Yeah. I like this a lot. Someone has definitely pitched a flow sitcom for sure. Of course. Flow was on Mad Men. That's right. I forget that actor's name. A little bit part. She's, yeah. shees good. Yeah. Good Hold for on. her. Good for her. Those ads commercials. are. Uh, I'm going to look this up. Commercials turned into TV shows. Actually, it auto completes. Screen Rant has a list of seven movies and TV shows based on commercials. Dude, Google Let's is desperate look. to get me to look at Screen Rant just every time I open Google. Oh, I know. It's it really, like, you know here's what? It 20 really Screen is. Rant articles. Have I heard of any of these? There's Cavemen. According to this, Space Jam was based on a commercial, which I didn't realize. <laughs> I mean, the new one's definitely just a straight-up commercial. Yeah. Uh, Max Headroom, I guess. I guess so, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a good point. All the Ernest stuff. Ernest P. Worrell. He started out as a commercial. That's right. And then they turn that character into movies and I guess a TV show. I don't remember the TV show. Yeah. Here's one called Baby Bob. In 1999, freeinternet.com featured a slew of ads with a talking baby. They were a huge hit and they turned it into a show. Canceled after nine episodes. Wow. (laughs) Apparently it was back for the 2022 Super Bowl, which, okay. Wait, there was a California Raisins show? I think I remember that, yeah. Wait, you're, you're too young for the California Raisins, right? I mean, not totally. That's like a, a little bit of a nostalgic thing for me. I thought the Raisins hit in their, oh, under uh, Google, they're listed as a musical group. I thought that was like late 80s. Maybe that was just the start. Hmm. I used to have a little uh, California Raisin figurine. Yeah, my Nana had a bunch of them. Yeah. Maybe the most popular thing ever that straight up looks like a piece of shit, like actually a piece of shit. What looks like a piece of shit? The raisin. It's like a wrinkly brown thing. Oh, you meant you meant a literal piece of shit and a literal not a piece figurative of shit. piece of shit. That's correct. 
I had one that played the saxophone. Well, not actually, it was just, you know, didn't actually do it. It was just a yeah. figurine. It would be fucked up if it actually did have the ability to play the saxophone. I think that would be terrifying. Yeah, that'd be cool. I have thankfully get away with not having to see commercials very often. Zen. But on vacation, I saw mm. a lot of commercials. Do you yeah. like my segue? I was going to ask if that was a segue because it sounded like a it segue. It was a segue. Yeah. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Late Night with Brian Wecht. Who are you? Are you talking to the audience or me? <laughs> you know what? Both. Great. Let's leave half an hour of silence for the <laughs> audience to respond. Yes. It's unusual for you to start off the introduction of the show, but I like this because my name is Brian Wecht and I am the co-host of Late Night with Brian Wecht. Now, it's funny that it's a coincidence that you have the exact same name as the Brian Wecht in the title of the show. It is, isn't it? Kind of works out nicely, I think. Yeah, it's an unusual name, too. But, you know, we're, we're a hot breed of gentlemen, us Brian Wex. Yeah, all two of you. I believe there is one more. I think we've talked about this. Somewhere in the Midwest lurks another Brian Wecht. Wow. Yeah. Brian, ask me about my vacation. <laughs> well, I was just going to say first, before I get into that, someday, other Brian Wecht, I will find you and I will defeat you in a battle of wits. A battle of Wex? A battle of Wex, yes. What would the name of that battle be called? Uh, I want to riff on like face off, like mask off. I was going to say like Wecting Ball. <laughs> or Wex in effect. Oh, 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 Wex, Wex yeah. it. <laughs> Like Brexit? Yep. Yep. yep yeah. Yep. Uh, get whacked is the obvious one, I guess. Yeah. But listen, you were about to start talking about something. And, and it's going to take every bit of self-control I have not to interrupt you and try to constantly do bits. But I will, if you would prefer... Oh, I would encourage you to do bit. Look, look okay, we're, we're going to talk about my vacation, but we don't got to be so serious about it, you know? Great. Can you do your joker? <laughs> I, did, you Just throw, throw it. me it a down little, like a tiny little bit. Throw me no, a I'm little not gonna joker. Do a joker. Look, Brian, I Why, had here, my, I'll, I'll do, I had I'll do my, my joker, joker era. <laughs> I'll do my joker. Yeah, Why yeah. are you so serious? <laughs> You're the joker, baby. Yeah. Oh, here's, here's my joker. Here's my actual joker impression. Seriously? <laughs> Indeed. Anyway, Brian asked me about my vacation. Layton, how was your vacation? Oh my God, it was so amazing. Tropical, yeah, I, surf, yeah. uh, drinking pina coladas all day on the beach, uh, mm. rented a yacht, swam with- yatched, but yeah. With dolphins. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, I did not actually go on vacation. Instead, I had a little grippy sock vacation. Will people know what that means? Some people will know what it means. Anyway, uh, hi, everybody. I I spent 16 days in inpatient psychiatric treatment, and now I am here. I came up with a name for it the other day. Club Meds. Club Meds is pretty good, but... Is it really club meds if they fucked up my meds five days in a row? <laughs> no. <laughs> More like club no meds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that is why you guys have been watching Maybe and why I have been completely dark online yeah. because I did not have access to online or my phone or my toothbrush unless I asked for it. Mm. 
which was exciting. So yeah, I was not doing well. And I was like, shit, I need more help than seeing my therapist once a week. And I am in crisis. Uh, So did a little Googling, much as you would to find a pizza joint. and was like, the inpatient psychiatric near me. And let me just say... After you scrolled past the porn results. (laughs) Grippy sock porn, 100%. It's a whole new meaning of inpatient. Oh, Brian, I missed you very much. I missed you. I'm glad you're back. There were very few laughs in the House of Horrors. Mm -hmm. But in trying to find a place, I have a much deeper sense of appreciation for everything. But it was such like a very panicked weekend of being like, I need to do this. I need to find a place and you search. And then there are a ton of places for like drug and alcohol detox which is not what I needed. I needed a straight mental health one, but I didn't want to go straight to the psych ward. Because that's a very rough situation, right? If you go to the That is a much different situation. Typically, it's like, for example, in California, if you get 5150'd, you go to the psych ward, and then they send you to inpatient residential. So I wanted to jump over the psych ward part of it. And it was so difficult to find a place that was open, find a place that didn't have a three-month wait list, find a place that didn't want to charge $40,000 up front, place that was in network on my insurance that wasn't going to have like minimum 60 days there or something. And then I had to organize. Some of them were minimum 60 days? Fuck. Yeah. And some of the places I called, I emailed, they never got back to me, which is great when you're having a mental health crisis. Yeah, it seems like that would be job one. Yes, but nope. So I found a place that had beds and was like, all right, cool, I'm doing this. And then I very frantically had to organize dog care and a bunch of other things so I could, you know, take a pause from my life and go do this shit. No pun intended. A pause. A pause. Yes, Mm -hmm. indeed. And I just like, that process was so stressful and frustrating. And I can't imagine being in a worse place, which is how I have been in my life previously and trying to organize that. Because at least I was able to crawl out of my depression pit because I was like, oh boy, a task. Even though the task was like, put yourself in bad place. But it was a task nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And so you guys took maybe and a bunch of friends. we did tackled my horrible cesspit of an apartment. And I went, Vernon drove me to the place. uh, And then I disappeared into a black hole. And boy, boy, you visited. You visited visited. me in there. I did. I think week two, Jory and I came down. With maybe. It was going to be me and Rachel and Jory. And then we realized that we'd have to do something with Audrey and... After asking, it seemed like it would not be a great environment for Audrey. So Rachel stayed here with Audrey and Jory and I came down to visit you. And yeah, it was, uh, what to say? Um, (laughs) Well, okay, let's just set expectations. It was like in a residential home in a residential neighborhood. So it wasn't like the nicest place in the world, but it was not cinder block walls and, yeah. you know, in a dangerous place or blah, or, blah, blah. Or a literal psych ward, you know, it was Yeah, it was a, a house. It was a house. It was a house. But that being said, the vibe was, uh, 
iffy, shall we yeah. say. Yeah, and not because of the other folks in treatment. That That is not no, what no, we're no. talking about. <laughs> it, it, it felt to me like a bunch of high schoolers got together and like, hey, guys, let's put together an inpatient facility. And then a bunch of other people were like, yeah, that would be fun. And very little of the infrastructure that one would expect from such a place seemed to exist. Yes. Well, you know, interesting how the rules were so incredibly strict and also so dangerously lax at the same time. (laughs) My favorite part, and I, I know this worked out, is when we were there, they were doing a grocery run and, you know, they asked you for your cash and you said, you guys have my wallet. I can't give you the cash. And they were like, we do? Huh. Well, I guess we got to go find that, (laughs) which seemed like maybe maybe there should be a place they keep the wallets. They could just go look for it. Well, there is. But, you know, then they come walking back out with this, which listeners, I'm holding up my phone. And they were like, is Mm -hmm. this your wallet? And I was like, no. (laughs) Why did you guys lose my wallet? Yes. But they found it. Part of that was the only time you could leave the house is either sometimes you would go on a little walk, not very often. A supervised walk. A supervised walk. And then you would get one outing a weekend where you go to Target. And they kept scheduling that outing during visitation hours. So so dumb. Yeah. Why? Why? Well, as you could tell, things seem to be held together by like spit and rubber bands there. So I get it. And you know, I... Going in, I knew that what I needed from it was three hots and a cot, somebody to make me take my meds on time, and also ensure that I don't hurt myself. And it did that. It definitely did that. Great. Yes. Beyond that, though, (laughs) not great. Because, you know, before going in there, my, you know, I'm pretty depressed on Maine. That's kind of like part of my whole deal, unfortunately. It's your brand. Yeah, which I hate. I don't like, you know, that, but it is how I am and I'm fine with it. But uh, my PTSD symptoms were getting very, very bad. And I relapsed on self-injury, which is a thing that I've struggled with for the past decade since the uh, heyday of aesthetic self-harm posts on Tumblr. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about, and I don't want to. I mean, back in the day when Tumblr was a lot less moderated, there were like whole communities and aesthetics around self-injury, and it was like very, very common. Like glamorizing it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Bad. And that was sort of how I learned what that was. Mm -hmm. And it's not like it was glamorized to a level where it was like, boy, this seems like a thing that I should do. And I think there is a very common misconception about self-harm that it's a thing that you do for attention, which I would say 9.5 times out of 10 is not the case. Because if Mm -hmm. anything, it makes you very secretive. And that's part of like why it is such a stressful thing because you don't want anybody getting on your ass about it. And good luck doing it in the summer because you are going to deal with itching and having to wear long sleeves and scarring. You know, it's a whole thing. I've struggled with it for a long time. And, you know, I thought for a very long time that being an adult and getting out of a certain environment and like having a career and friends and blah, blah, blah would be like, I don't need this anymore. But uh, not necessarily the case here. Not how it works. 
yeah, not how it works at all. And so, yeah, I was having a bad time and I did not want to continue to cause permanent damage to my body. So went to a place where they take everything that could even obliquely be used to injure yourself. I mean, I had to ask for everything and there's nothing that humbles you like having to creep into a little office in a house and be like, Betsy, can I have my toothbrush? Betsy, yeah, can I when, have my lighter? When Betsy is younger than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Betsy, fake name, obviously. Yeah. So that worked, I guess. So basically the structure of it is you go in and you do like six groups a day or so. Sometimes you get to skip some. But I went into it thinking that it was going to be group therapy led by a therapist, which it was not. Uh, It was just somebody younger than me with no training showing us a TEDx talk and making us do a worksheet for children. Not even TED. TEDx. TEDx. That's how bad it was. TEDx. But, and also, like, I'm not exaggerating when I say the worksheets were for children. Oh, you showed them to me. Yeah. Yeah. In school, I'm good at something unique about me is like. You know, I I live with a worksheet aged human. Yeah. And what you got was the level of what she gets in third grade. Yes. Like, I feel happy when I, I feel bad when I, which (sighs) I, I find hard to believe is at the cutting edge of therapy. Yeah, you know, I've been doing therapy for 12 years now. I've done all of the basic, what's your self-care? How do you show compassion to yourself? And so immediately I was like, oh dear God, what have I done? I have to do like five of these worksheets a day and they're all stupid. And if I say anything that I'm feeling is negative, it's like that's a problem and we need to deal with it and like toxic positivity you out of it, which works great. And, you know, I went in there because my PTSD symptoms and, you know, the depression and anxiety, they all just, there's an orgy of those three things in my Mm -hmm. head at all times. But I did not anticipate that putting myself in a situation in which it is a house full of people with very thin walls, that that would be the most triggering environment possible for me. Right. So the symptoms got way fucking worse with a bunch of people that were not equipped to deal with it. And, you know, the tech staff, whatever, did not know what was going on with each person. So... Really? That's... Yeah. That's their only job, isn't it? Their job is to make sure you're alive, you know? Mm -hmm. And so no phone. They take your phone. They go through all your stuff. Like, I couldn't have my Band-Aids for some reason. What? Yeah, I had to ask if I needed one. I couldn't have my Breathe Right strips because there was a little strip of metal in them. Oh, my God. You know, all your toiletries go into a bucket. So if you want to use your toothbrush or your hairbrush or your shower stuff, you got to ask and, like, check out your little bucket and then bring it right back. Any situation in which there's a bucket is probably not a good one. Yeah, I mean, a bucket is, it it was like a little bin, but it might as well have been a bucket. Yeah, But, uh... Yeah, all of it kind of combined along with the condescending worksheets, the being taken care of, the sort of like assumption that you are trying to find every possible opportunity to injure yourself. And then also the way they talked to us was really like they were talking to children, which drove me up the wall. But anyway, all of that combined to put me in a very 
shitty, regressed, childlike state. So I would be in my room lying on my twin size bed that my feet stuck off of the end of. Even at your height. Yeah, I'm not that tall. You're not that tall. I mean, you're not short, but like you're not that tall. You're average height. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, having horrific flashbacks with, you know, none of the things that I would typically use to cope with that, such as talking to friends or playing with my dog or literally any other thing. And then they come knocking and are like, it's time for group. And then I have to go and pretend that I am not having horrific flashbacks during a group where they're like, what's a good way to feel compassion for yourself? I'm like, Betsy, (laughs) I can't. Yeah, what else? Oh, so there was one TV and that was like our our prime exposure to content and where we would Mm -hmm. watch our TEDx talks, et cetera. And we got to watch some stuff sometimes, depending on who was using the TV. And boy, I certainly watched some movies in there. Such as? Such as Smile, <laughs> the horror movie about uh-huh. uh, mentally the documentary ill about the killing Lost themselves. Beach Boys album, yes. Yeah. Right, yeah. So we got out a group to watch that movie, which I initially was like, I don't know if I can watch horror stuff in there because I feel like they're going to get on me if it's too triggering. And instead they put on the most triggering movie possible. Oh my God. It was all right. I was very happy to be watching it and not doing group because I was getting real bitchy. I mean, you know, a big part of the realization was I have never felt that way in my adult life except the one other time I've done a similar thing, which was the culty therapy retreat I did a few years ago, mm-hmm. which was not as strict. It was a lot more paperwork. Woo, I guess. <laughs> well, paperwork that they also didn't fucking read. But that one, I felt the same way there. And, you know, a big realization was like, oh, I have not been like this as an adult, as a kid. I was like this all the time because this is like a protection mechanism and like a natural response to feeling in danger. And that is where I was at this place. And there are a couple of days in there that I straight up do not remember. I was so dissociated. And there was further like depersonalization because I was stuck to myself so hard and like the staff changes and the fact that they don't really know what's going on made it so like you could ask anybody in there what my actual personality was and they wouldn't know. Like after you and Jory came to visit, one of the staff was like, thank you guys for making her laugh. And the next day she was like, we want to see you laugh more in here. (laughs) It was like, I am like that all the time. That is my baseline. It just sucks in here. (laughs) Like, they seemed convinced that I was incredibly shy and just needed to come out of my shell. I have social anxiety. I'm not shy. (laughs) Well, and also that place was dark. It was not conducive to, like, I wouldn't expect any such place to be, like, you know, a fun, happy-go-lucky romp. But that place was not like, hey, what a nice environment to hang. Yeah. It, It felt like the worst Airbnb I've ever stayed in. Like, it, it was, you know... Old, generic, cheap furniture, poorly lit. It did not feel like it was designed for people to live in. Yeah, I'd like to rate this Airbnb one star. People keep checking on me every hour. (laughs) (laughs) So folks who haven't been in any sort of treatment, they have to do rounds. And your first couple of days are based on behavior. It'll be like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And then if you're good, they bump it up to 30 minutes? Wow. My my first two days, I think, was every 30. That's wild. Even like 24 hours? Yeah, full. Wow. 
So they do rounds every hour once you're to that point, which is if you're in your room, they knock and they poke their head in and make sure you're alive and are like just doing rounds. So have fun being in a new environment where they're fucking up your meds on a terrible bed and somebody's knocking every hour <laughs> to check on you and shine a flashlight in. Now, I've never, I've never done this. You know, I've been in the hospital for, I think I did an overnight once. And the thing I've never understood about it is a facility, which is, which is a commonality, a facility in which you're supposed to be resting and healing. You have someone who is paid to disturb you very often. And yeah. I understand why Yeah, they need to monitor the situation, but it does not seem conducive to like chilling out. Yeah. Especially as someone who is incredibly triggered by people knocking on doors or invading your privacy or whatever. Like, yeah, that was tight. And you got one monitored 15 minute phone call every day where you had to put the house phone on speaker and the staff was sitting right there to listen. And also the walls were so thin, you could be on the opposite end of the house and hear the phone on speaker like ringing. Yes. So not only does the staff hear it, everybody else also hears it. So then if you say anything concerning on your call, they just let all the other staff know. So... There was one night where I, God bless Vernon, I really bitched out at him. And he was a real trooper, but it was after a long day of flashbacks and people poking at me. And I just, you know, but the next day it was like that had clearly gone around. And every 10 minutes, it felt like there was a staff member sidling up and being like, are you okay? <laughs> Which it's the same way, like when you're freaking out and somebody tells you to calm down. Oh yeah, it's the it's opposite. like, I would yeah. be okay if you weren't asking me every 10 minutes, if I'm okay, I'm visibly not okay. Please stop. Yes. So I was supposed to do 30 days. I did not do 30 days because I got to like 13 days and I went to my case manager and I was like, how do I get out? And then they let me out, which took a couple of days, yes. but was a relief. We were all very relieved when we found out you were coming back early. Yes, because you weren't the only one who was off-put by the environment. No, I, I was like, I cannot keep doing this podcast by myself. So let's get her back here now. Yeah, solely for the content. Once she yeah, stops slowly. being funny, we can send her back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say it again. Thanks again to Susie for filling in. Yes. While you were indisposed. It was just so much fun to do this with her. And although, of course, I would rather do this with you since it's our show. Susie was, it was just so great to have her on. Yeah, because she's the fucking best. She's the fucking best. But anyway, yes, no, we were all, all, we're all incredibly relieved when we found out you actually could get out early because we all knew you wanted to. Yes. But it was unclear what that process would ultimately end up in. So I think at that point, you know, you would have had another week. Is that right? About another week if you hadn't it, w- it would have depended on what my insurance would have authorized because they initially authorized 15 days. And when I wanted to get out, it was a couple of days before that. And they were like, yeah, we can just tell them that you would like out. And they gave me the date that I could get out soonest by. And yeah, because at a certain point, I like got through the crisis period. It was so shitty that I was so incredibly grateful for my life. <laughs> My my cushy ass life and my beautiful friends who I get to talk to all the time and my fucking dog and eating bad food and being in bad environment that is triggering the shit out of me 
and not being able to be alone for any period of time and having minimum five other people in a house with you at all hours is just like, you know, I live alone for a reason. <laughs> yeah. I can't deal with that, especially with tissue paper walls. And then, you know, the med fuck ups and the food being bad lead to uh, vomiting and shitting. You know, texts hear you vomiting and come racing across the house. And then also you shit and you know that the entire house hears it. So really fun and cool. Sounds cool. Yeah. Oh, another terrible movie that we were forced to watch. As group, I was glad that we got to watch a movie instead of doing group. Yes. But you know that self-help book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck? Yes, I do. They made a movie based on that? Well, they made like uh, Adobe stock footage over- Oh, wait. I know the movie they made. It's called Joker (laughs) that's based on this. Because if anyone didn't give a fuck, it's Joker. Well, the movie Joker, little known fact, is actually made about me while I had to sit there and watch that movie. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. It's the guy who wrote the book sitting at a table with like a whiskey bottle on it. And he's just like average LA white guy with tattoos. And he's sitting there like, have you ever thought about like death? And then a bunch of like irrelevant stock footage. And he's just rehashing stuff from his book. And it's like, look, buddy, I'm happy for you that you were able to make a killing off of your shitty basic ass self-help book that only sells because it has the word fuck in the title. But it was just the most basic... You know, him being like, oh, the hardest. They made a movie out of this. I mean, if you watched some of it, you would see how low budget it is. But they still had like a three camera setup on the guy. Oh, and it's very recent. It is. It just came out. Yes, it did. Oh, wow. And it's like. I thought this was from like 10 years ago. I know. Look at that runtime, too. 137. Yeah, that's. Excruciating. This should be a 10 minute YouTube video at most. Yes. And so we had to watch all of it. And then they were like, so what did you guys think? (laughs) And I went off. I was so mad. (laughs) Oh, there's literally only the guy in the movie. The the cast is two people. Yes. What? I really liked the part where he uses an acquaintance from college's death to uh, just really exploits it. And it's like, you know, he'd be proud of me. (laughs) Oh, my God. He talks about how like the hardest thing he ever had to do was like his worst job was like he worked at a bank for a couple of months and then he thought that everybody there was fake. So he quit. Also, he worked for his dad. Like, dude, (laughs) dude. I'm looking at letterboxed reviews right now. While I was in there, I have never wanted to be able to see a letterboxed review page so badly. Like the moment it ended, I was like, oh my God, my kingdom for letterboxed reviews of this shit. Here's one review. It says... Over an hour and a half of Mark Manson trying to convince you that women have wanted to fuck him all of his life. (laughs) Compiling stock footage and fail army clips while talking about personal and self-indulgent stories does not constitute a movie or documentary. Yep. That's pretty great. Yeah. At least we didn't have to do a worksheet about it. Yeah. It's just like, you feel like shit. You're having a terrible time. Your meds are fucked up. And then you got to sit. Is somebody's like, there are three types of communication styles, passive, assertive, convection, and aggressive. Which one do you think you are? Let's go in a circle. Like, I think maybe nothing infuriates me more than people condescending to me. Oh, of course. Yes. No, no. You know, I'm happy to do intense therapy work. I love that shit. That was not what it was. Did you get the sense that the other people in there had a similar reaction to it? No. 
I don't want to say anything else. No, no, of course. But people were getting something out of it. Just yes. you were not. Okay. Well, yes. that's, that's, that's at least good. No, it's good. And I felt especially bad being such a Debbie Downer. You shouldn't. It didn't work for you. It was not what yeah. you needed. You're not being a downer. Like, you're being realistic about what that experience was like. If there's anywhere that I should be allowed to be a downer without getting constant toxic positivity shit, it's grippy sock jail, okay? Yes. I'm allowed to be fucked up. But towards the end, once I found out that I was getting out, my mood was way better and I was typical gregarious doing bits Layton. Yes. And I, during group, I was finally like being honest and open about what I was dealing with because the other groups, there was just no in to like talk yeah, yeah. about trauma because it was all just such like basic self-help, like pop psych 101 shit. Right, right. And then I finally started saying the shit that I was dealing with and then it would just be like crickets. <laughs> Like, look, guys, I know that's intense, but like, this is the place where it's supposed to be intense, right? Yes. <laughs> Nobody has anything helpful to say? Okay. Just and they me, just then. wouldn't respond to it? Well, they would be like, that's really tough. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. You should talk to someone who knows how to uh, <laughs> respond to that. Have you, have you considered talking to a therapist? Yeah, pretty great. So not having access to any technology, you really do need to find ways to pass time because you do a group and then you get a break and then you do another group and then you have a meal and then you do another group and then you get a little break and then you do another group. And so to pass the time, really relearned how to be bored because <laughs> it was very, very boring. So I did a lot of journaling, which... I was incredibly paranoid about them reading. Some of that's just of course, my own trauma. But yeah, I was like, holy shit, if they read this, they're going to keep me here forever. Did a ton of drawing. I got like a fresh sketchbook and pens and I did like 24 pages in my sketchbook. You showed us a bunch when we came to visit and it was fucking awesome. I was so impressed. Thank you. There was some really interesting stuff in there. Yeah, I had not drawn analog in probably over a year. I genuinely enjoyed it. It made me like drawing again. Did a lot of like dream comics and the sketchbook was like more therapeutic for me than any of the actual stuff that we did. But maybe I'll make a little zine. It's my mentee be and I'll monetize it if I want to. I think it's a great idea if you feel up to it. The, the, that I stuff do. was great. Yeah, I do. So look out for that. But I read a bunch. I read a bunch of Kurt Vonnegut. Breakfast of Champions is did they really give you the killer. books or did they have them there? Or no, what? I brought a ton brought, of books. Okay, smart. And then Vernon smart. and Susie both brought me a ton of books too. Like not on an e-reader, like physical No, because I couldn't bring an e-reader, which right. is how I read all of my stuff. So it was weird to I read asked, yeah. physical books. And so the first weekend when I packed, I wasn't totally sure of like what I was allowed to have and what I wasn't. But when I got there... There were no clocks in the rooms. You could see the time on the oven in the kitchen. But I don't know if anybody's been without the ability to know what time it is oh, uh, for extended brutal. periods of time. But, you know, that's literally an enhanced interrogation tactic, i.e. torture. Yep. And it clear. I talked to them and it wasn't on purpose, but it was so hard until I got a watch and I got back into it. Like, I lived what a for that wild watch. choice. Just makes no sense. It was apparently they had issues with the alarms going off and bothering people when they were in the bedrooms. But it's like, just get a wall clock. Get a wall clock. What? Yeah. So yeah, I'll show you the watch that Vernon very kindly bought and brought to me. There it is. Mm -hmm. I stared yep. at this fucking thing all goddamn day. 
But now I'm back to wearing my Casio calculator watch and this bracelet that I made. Very nice. Because I was I was able to coerce them into letting me do an arts and craft instead of group because I was having a bad day, which was most of the days there. But um, I'm keeping it on until it falls off at what I assume would be an emotionally appropriate time because it says time on it. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, what life has been like since you've Hold on, hold on. Out. I was not yes. done. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I, I was done listening to you. I get that. You've heard all of this already. So. <laughs> no, I, of course, it's your story. And I I'm speaking to, my I, I truth. I listen to women. <laughs> You're such a great ally. I know, I really so, am. To women and the mentally ill. Of course, and both. Actually, not both. They're exclusive groups. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Sorry. You're both. Pick a circle. Uh, continue, please. I specifically requested, because you could make requests of people who visit you on the weekend, but I specifically requested a watch and a couple of 25-cent bouncy balls because there were walls, and I just wanted to great. go full Jack Nicholson in The Shining because yep. I felt like that still not of him frozen to death at the end but the like no right yeah that that's how i felt the entire time mm -hmm. and then just bouncing i did a lot of bouncing that ball against a mm -hmm. wall and you know what entertaining it's a cliche for a reason yep it's fucking awesome yep i did a puzzle i did a pokemon puzzle like a jigsaw puzzle like a jigsaw puzzle and then of course that was met with Wow, you're doing a puzzle? Pokemon, <laughs> huh? Wow, you're so smart. I couldn't oh. do that. Like, oh my God, I'm 25. I'm older than you are. I am literally older than you are. Holy fuck. And also, Don't make it's me a do jigsaw a puzzle. The, the amount of intellectual capacity required to do a jigsaw puzzle is not high. Like, they can be difficult, but <sighs> there's a methodology to it, which is keep trying. Please speak to me like I'm an adult. I might yeah. be like a little nuts right now, but I'm an adult. I that's, pay taxes. God damn it. That's terrible. Being condescended to is maybe the most triggering thing imaginable. I hate it so much. It's just awful. And like when I'm in full bitch mode, so much of that was me holding back the most venomous sarcasm possible. Yes, because I'm sure you could destroy these people if you wanted to. Yeah, I think I did a mild amount of that, which I'm not proud of, but <laughs> but it's how I uh, express anger. <laughs> and yeah. boy, was there a lot to be angry about, including one incident that I will not detail, but you know exactly ask, what I'm talking about. I was going to ask if you wanted to talk about that, and I assumed not. I don't want to go too identifying, but I was nervous going into a place with people who might use the internet and who may watch YouTube or play video games. And I was very nervous and hoping that I could stay totally incognito and not mention anything about my career or anything yes. like that. Because you are a public figure that people yeah, could look so. up if they wanted to. Yes. And I had a bunch of like anxiety catastrophizing worst case scenarios of how that could go. Even my worst catastrophic thought about that doesn't even come close to what ended up happening. Yes, it was very bad. It's like I need to file a formal complaint bad. So I, I agree. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot. And thankfully on my last day, because otherwise, holy Ooh. shit. Yeah. 
But yeah, so then they let me out and Vernon came to pick me up because he drove me there. And we went straight to Krispy Kreme and Dairy Queen. And I just yelled in the car while eating my little dipped cone. Because, you know, I was talking to you guys. You came to visit on the weekend. And at least visiting on the weekend, we were able to go like around the side of the house and talk in hushed tones about how miserable I was. Mm -hmm. But with the 15-minute phone calls, there's really like... I would just flip it and have the other person talk about themselves because I did not want to give them anything. And we, we told you dog stories. Yes. When you talked to me and Rachel. Yeah. Yeah. I printed out a bunch of pictures of friends and maybe to put on the inside of my sketchbook. And boy, did I spend a large amount of time staring at those. Yeah. But yeah, so I finally got to do the uncensored lowdown on everything that was going on. Yeah. And then I got home and just truly insanely, unfathomably grateful to you and Vernon and Allison and Rachel and Aaron and Susie and Jory, everybody for cleaning my apartment and dealing with shit and taking care of maybe like I am so again unfathomably grateful and appreciative and feel very blessed in a secular sense blessed but these are threes yeah (laughs) just overwhelming amount of love and support that I don't think I would have gotten through that without you know we all love you everyone on that chat and what we did to help you is only one tiny fraction as difficult as what you were going through. So we had it easy. You know, you, you were doing the rough stuff. You, you all in, in the LGBT group chat, the yes, late the and get late. better team. <laughs> yes, which someone, and I won't mention any names, proposed putting on a t-shirt. And <sighs> I was like, I don't think I can wear an LGBT t-shirt for many, many reasons. <laughs> Because here's the scenario. Either it doesn't say what it means, in which case I can't wear that shirt. Mm-hmm. Or it does, oh, what? in which case Me? I can't wear that shirt. Me, an ally? No, no, no. This is yeah. just for my friend who had a little menti B. <laughs> right, right. A friend who was bisexual who had a menti B, but yeah. still. So yeah, I, the, the shirt idea, I think, was quickly not responded to. I would have been very angry had a shirt been made. Because as was emphasized, the day that I left, Aaron and Susie took care of my car or like I was able to park it there. And so I saw a bunch of people the day of and the day before. I saw Rachel in the morning. I was not actually worried about going to treatment. But then after seeing them and Vernon and everyone was being very, very serious, that's when I started getting freaked out. And Vernon was driving me and I was like, why is everybody being so fucking serious? And he was like, gee, Leighton, I wonder why. Would you say that your your question was, why so serious? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah. Joker moment. Joker moment. Obviously, we were concerned about you because we knew you were in, in crisis and had gotten to a point where you thought this was necessary. And so we were all worried, of course. Yeah. So I think we were, you know, we were doing what we we had to. No one was was being somber about it, I don't think, but we were all concerned, of course. It felt somber to me because people weren't doing bits and I need right. bits to maintain yes. equilibrium. Like I might've been in crisis, but I was still doing bits. Like that doesn't go away. I hope it makes you feel better that on our group text with all the people you mentioned, I committed from the start to never answering a question seriously and only doing bits. Thank you. I heard about this. Yeah. Ultimately might have been self-defeating in terms of actually getting things done. But 
You understood the assignment because I told Vernon to tell everybody to lighten up. Yes, I believe, as I said on the thread, it's what Leighton would have wanted. <laughs> yes, that is true. But yeah, I mean, from the beginning, I was like, boy, I can't wait to talk about my Griffey Sock vacation on the show because I am, as Vernon said on the drive up there, quote, I know you shit with the door open on your mental health, which is true. Mm-hmm. I'm like incapable of feeling shame about this stuff and having mental illness or getting treatment is not something to be ashamed of at all. all. And if anybody thinks that it's shameful, that is a great barometer of like, boy, do I not want to interact with you as a person? But it is also a personal decision whether you want to be public about it or not, right? So if you didn't want to talk about it, I would never force you to talk about it or something like that. So I could not agree more. You should never be ashamed of getting mental health treatment or talking about your mental health. But I think everyone gets to decide where their own boundaries are for what they want to disclose publicly, for sure. Yeah, and I just, I wanted to wait until I was out so as not to worry anybody. And yeah, I'm fine with it. It's like, as with all things, it is a part of my life and who I am. And I also, it historically has helped me a lot when people who make content I like talk about their their shit with yep. me. Tom, Tom Sharpling is a great example of that. Yes, absolutely. So like, I don't know, people listening, if you got mental health shit or you've been in treatment or going to treatment or whatever you got going on, I see you. Take care of yourself. So how would you say you're doing now? Like now that we're on this side of this, what's the latest? I'm very glad to be out. I spent one night here and saw the biggest rat that I have ever seen in my life in the apartment. And I was like, I am too psychologically fragile for this. So Aaron and Susie had repeatedly offered that I could stay with them as long as I wanted. So as I deal with exterminator shit and that you guys still have maybe. To protect her from traps. To protect her from the massive traps that would injure her badly. I've been staying with Aaron and Susie and that has been so wonderful and honestly more helpful than the whole time that I was in treatment. Yeah, <laughs> They're wonderful hosts and they're literally like, my brother and sister, and I love them to death. And I love those cats to death. And we've just been hanging out, gaming, eating good food. It's been really wonderful. You know, I came to my apartment so I could check on my rat traps and also record. But after this, I'm just going to go back to their place. Yeah. As we have said on the show, truly two of the most generous and kind people. Yeah. I know. Really, really amazing folks. And I've seen them go so far out of their way for so many friends. Yes. In a way that I don't know many other people who would go to those lengths for so many people. Yeah, as was repeatedly emphasized by staff at the place, like it seems like you have a really good support system. And that is true. And I am very grateful for that. And yeah, being in a place where you don't have any of your shit and you can't, you know, you're just like completely disconnected from your life. It really does make you infinitely more grateful for everything and also just like any ounce of autonomy like it's still a novelty to go places and go to the yeah. store it's like overwhelming to go to the store cuz it's like whoa i i can make my i can make my own choices yes and like wear shoes and be able to brush my teeth whenever i want without asking somebody and then when i got out and i finally got my phone back the first couple of days it like hurt 
my eyes to use. Like it was really overwhelming and stressful to get back into the like media ecosystem. Right. And I was like, holy shit, how do I do this all the time? Of like trying to multitask and having no, is like my eyes hurt. I have a headache. Yeah. So just further proof that that's very bad for you. Bad for you. Yes. As we all knew. Especially as if you're having a severe depressive episode. (laughs) Yeah. Well, welcome back to the media ecosystem of which this show is a part. Yes, indeed. Very glad to be back based on something that I'll talk about with peaches and lemons. I will be back in my apartment with my dog very soon. I was going to ask if you were going to talk about this, but yeah, I guess we'll, we'll save it for the segments. We'll save it for the segments. But I also did go over to y'all's place the other night for dinner so I could yes, s- see did. my sweet dog. And she was actually excited to see me because when mm-hmm. you guys brought her to the place, she was Ooh, not into me. Icing you out. It was so depressing. Like when Aaron and Susie and Vernon came and also when you guys came, like after you guys left, the rest of the day was just like, I am miserable. <laughs> this yeah. shit sucks. But all week I was looking for, I was just like, I just got to hold up with our stupid daily check-in worksheets we had to do in the morning where it's like, today I'm feeling, and then you circle your shit and then it's like, here's a way I'll take care of myself today. By leaving. Yeah. I've never done so many jerk off motions behind people's backs Mm -hmm. in my life. I didn't really do it in middle school, but I, I did it a lot here. I don't know if anybody Mm -hmm. ever caught me, but boy, was I doing it. (laughs) Yeah, but I would every day, it's like the thing that I look forward to is seeing my dog. And then the, she got inside and she was just like, she was giving me the cold shoulder, like hard. Yep. Hard. So on that trip down, she sat on Jory's lap for, you know, the entire trip, which was not short. Yeah. And just curled up. At one point, in fact, I, you know, Jory and Avi obviously were, were talking for most of the trip. Although I, it's hard for me to be in a car with that guy because of his hard right political opinions <laughs> that he's not shy about expressing. He's so abrasive. Yeah, and entitled, uh, loud, <laughs> uh, you know, de- defensive, like does not respond to criticism. So he does this thing where he's constantly razzing you, but then takes everything you say seriously. Yeah, he can dish it, but he can't take it. Toxic personality in the <laughs> extreme. Passive aggressive, downright aggressive, all words I would describe Jory with. Yeah, it's weird because he's passive aggressive and he's passive and he's aggressive. And I didn't think you could get all three of those in one person, but you can. You really, really, really can. It's the Griffiths touch. I gave him a ride down and when I dropped him off at his place, he got out and he slammed the door. He didn't even say thank you. He just got out and slammed the door. Yeah, and he spit on your car too. Yeah, he did. You know, Jory, always spitting. That's his brand. He's always got some chaw on his cheek, you know, and he carries around that little pocket spittoon, but it's made out of cloth, so it's constantly dripping tobacco water. The guy has obvious issues that he is not addressing. The chaw thing is like, of all the mean mean libel that we just said, I think Jory, who has the freshest breath of all time and who got me into the habit of constantly popping Listerine strips. Mm Mm-hmm. It's I true. You, Jory has amazing. You're not breath. listening to this, but I love you. Yeah. No, no. Of course, it was great to see you, but it was so much fun just to spend like a car trip with Jory and just talk about stuff. With maybe sleeping on his lap. Maybe sleeping on his lap. In fact, that was the point I was going to say. Is I forgot the dog was in the car. And then at some point, I was talking to Jory and she moved. And I was like, oh shit, right. There's a dog <laughs> over here. But it was really, it was genuinely fun having, you know, a, a few hours with Jory about yeah. stuff. 
Yeah, because he's the fucking greatest. Because he's the fucking best, even if he is a consummate a-hole. <laughs> but, yeah. Would you like, at this point, to move on to segments, or do you have more to say about your experience? No. Because we have a brand new we have a brand new segment I want to drop Whoa, on Whoa, what? This week. We yeah, do? Yeah, brand new. Yes, we do. Well, I'll just say, folks, if you, you chimed in to listen to this one, appreciate it. If you're a member of my family who listens to this show, please don't text me about this. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah. think about maybe why I did not let you know. Thanks. Yeah. Before we move on to our brand new segment, I do want to say thank you for talking about this on the show. And I think it's going to help people. And I do think as long as you feel comfortable, which I know you do, it's good for people to hear this kind of stuff since maybe it will encourage other people to to get help, although not at the place you went. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had something more like poignant to say about the experience or about no, getting I, help I or whatever. To. But especially with the self-harm stuff, like it is a thing that people don't talk about. Yep. And it's hard when it is like a part of your body that is visible. <laughs> and I think I see other people with self-harm scars in public a lot. And, you know, this is my first thing. Don't fucking ask somebody with scars like, oh, what, what no, happened don't there? Do that. Don't, yeah, do that. don't do that. I've been on the receiving end of that and that shit sucks. But when I do see it, it just like instantly makes me respect the person more because it's like you've been through shit. I mm -hmm. see you. And then I will roll up my sleeves because, <laughs> yep. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Anybody else who is struggling with it, I see you. I won't throw any mental health platitude at you, but, you know, you're not alone is also a platitude, but it doesn't mean it's not true. Some platitudes are platitudes for a reason. Yes. And as long as somebody's not saying them to you in a baby voice, <laughs> they're good. Yeah. Okay. One last thing on that note. My individual therapist, my actual therapist, who I was not able to speak to during treatment, which was frustrating. I don't get that, but okay. It would interfere with their treatment plan of worksheets. Uh -huh. Yeah, right. But, you know, I've been seeing him for two and a half years now, and he's the best. And he knows of my disdain for being condescended to and for general, any like woo-woo adjacent or overly like, you know, overly pat advice but before I went, I was talking to him about self-harm stuff. And he was like, you know, have you ever explored alternate physical sensations? And then I just leaned real close to the camera and was like, oh, what? Like holding an ice cube? And then he laughed harder than I have ever seen, gotten him to laugh. And then he was like, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Because a lot of the advice on how to deal with like self-harm urges are really pat and unhelpful. And, you know, for some pe people it's helpful, like the snapping a rubber band on your wrist or whatever. But when you're in crisis mode and you want to do it and you shouldn't do it, that's not really the best, most helpful thing. And honestly, right. I still don't know what the best, most helpful thing is, but having friends helps. Yes. Having friends, getting therapy, dealing with the problem. Yes. yes. Which is not, you know, an option for everybody. And a lot Absolutely. of people are really isolated. And I think... Again, this is not a thing that I have a solution for or really anything positive to say about, but it's like everybody always throws up the text lines and hotlines for help with self-harm. And there really is nothing more demoralizing than being in that dark place and you call the hotline or you text the number 
and they either don't respond, they put you on hold for three hours, or they just tell you shit you already knew. And not to discourage anybody from reaching out to those, but it is a thing that will happen. And there's really nothing like that feeling where it's like, you're fucked up. And then they're like, well, we don't consider you enough of a danger to yourself. So we're just going to like move on. You tried holding an ice cube. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. So, you know, self-care isn't all bubble baths and shit. Sometimes it's ugly, nasty stuff that you just got to do that sucks. Like going to treatment. Or listening to this podcast. Or listening to this podcast. Brian, (laughs) it's the new segment. Oh, you're going to really, really like this one, Layden. So while you were away, I kind of went back to the drawing board with the segments. Of course, we kept peaches and lemons. Although I think one week we didn't do it which I said was, quote, out of spite. But uh, (laughs) that was a week with JP and Peter. But generally, Susie hosted Peaches and Lemons and did a great job, of course. But I was thinking, what else can we add to the mix here, maybe to replace an old segment? And I thought about the kind of stuff you like to do, the kind of stuff I like to do. I wanted to have this steaming hot and fresh out of the oven for you. When you, Brian, when you, you came you back, are on a thin freshly, right a now. freshly, I am you don't, psychologically you, you no, I, fragile no at the idea. moment. You have no idea I'm with this, so don't I try really, to guess. I, no, I can you, tell from the tone of voice, Brian. I know exactly where this is going, you, you and really I know exactly don't. what you're going to do. You, I promise you, you don't know what I'm going to do. Okay. This is, I, I'm not, I'm not right. that predictable. I'm not that predictable. Do you want to pay my therapy bills for the ensuing fallout from what you're about to do to me here? I, I <laughs> no, you know, th- there's a famous story about the composer uh, Frederick Chopin, and what Chopin would do was he would sit down at the piano, and he would write these, you know, kind of improvise these beautiful, beautiful pieces, and then he would sit down and go through them note by note, and make sure that the piece he improvised was really the piece he wanted to write, right, and. That's what I did with this brand new segment where we had this old segment, which, look, I I, I guess I'm not saying things people don't already know. It was called, RIP, the What's Poppin' segment. And it was a pop culture segment where you get to talk about some media you've been enjoying recently, a book, a movie, a video game, anything like that. But that was kind of improvised in the moment in the early days of this show before we were the experienced podcasters that we are today. (laughs) And so what... I wanted to do is go back and reevaluate what that segment should have been all along. So I took it apart, inspected the, you know, the core elements of it and thought long and hard about what that segment should be. And so what I present to you today is the Phoenix that has risen from the ashes of the what's poppin segment. And this is uh, a segment of the show. It's our pop culture recommendation segment. It's where you get to talk about a book, a movie, a video game, or some kind of media you've been enjoying recently. The segment is called What's Poppin'? And the theme song goes here. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? Look, it was perfect to begin with. So that's the thing about Chopin is he would come back after he improvised his pieces and he would say, you know what? That's actually what I meant to do all along. And that's that's what happened. What can I tell you? You know, why mess with success? Well played, sir. Thank you. And as I said, there's no way you could have predicted that. 
he'll be receiving a billing document. He'll be receiving great. a super bill. That's great. What's popping? Wait. Oh, well, what's popping for me is an interesting question, considering I spent 16 days having just absolutely no good media. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I got one of the other people there with me into True Detective season one. Very and that cool. was maybe the nicest thing that happened the whole time I was mm-hmm. there <laughs> was just watching True Detective season one again for the millionth time. But being there, we all got into Hell's Kitchen. So what's popping mm-hmm. for me today is Hell's Kitchen. Now, nice. I've always been a Kitchen Nightmares gal, specifically Kitchen Nightmares, the British version, because it's mm-hmm. not as American TV'd up and it's a lot right. more. He's a little meaner. He's way nicer on the British one. Oh, he is. Oh, I didn't he is. That. Okay. I don't think he is necessarily mean on the American one no, either. No, no. Like he's a little blunt. Yes. He's very like I appreciate that he is very like receptive and open to helping people out when he sees things are not going well. Especially if it's anything that like hurts the servers or right, yes. like people in the kitchen where he will like really come down hard on owners and stuff that are being shitters. But I had never given Hell's Kitchen a shot. But very, very into it now. I have now watched several seasons and God damn, is it entertaining. I highly recommend for anybody who hasn't watched it, season six is a really good one to start with. There's just some real iconic shit in there, <laughs> including a guy who tries to physically fight Gordon <laughs> by going, I ain't no bitch. And then, you know, steps to him and is like, let's take this to the parking lot. Like, incredible. For anybody to, to go up to, Gordon Ramsay, who has looked 50 years old since he was 18. Yeah, easily. And it was pretty jacked and also apparently smells good. Bold move. But um, cooking shows, I've been watching a lot of Hell's Kitchen with Aaron and Susie. I love it. I love watching Gordon yell at people. I love watching the drama. I love seeing the people who suck, who are clearly not getting <laughs> voted off because it's good for ratings. Mm-hmm. It's just like, damn you. <laughs> Ruining everything, getting very invested in dinner service and whatnot. Anyway, Hell's Kitchen. It's a good show. Good. What about you, Brian? What's pop, Pops wanting? Well, I, 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 you know what? What's popping for me this week is it's something that a lot of people are watching right now. And I, I have slightly mixed feelings about it, but I'll talk about it anyway. It's The Last of Us show mm. on HBO Max. Now, I've never played the games. In fact, I don't know jack shit about them, except here was what I knew about The Last of Us was that often when somebody would be like, oh, so it's a zombie thing. A bunch of people would go, oh, they're not zombies. They're the infected, which fucking fine. They're zombies. Come on. They're zombies. So I decided to start watching it on HBO, despite the fact that I am never in the mood for depressing TV, typically. Right. And you hate gamers. I hate gamers. I hate video games. I hate prestige TV. You know, all of these things. So I decided to start watching it. And I actually had to start and stop it because there's a a kid, like it's a dad and his his daughter. And I was like, I don't feel good about this girl's chances. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but my instincts were correct. So that right away, when something bad happens to a kid, I'm like, I don't like it. But I'm enjoying the show. Pedro Pascal is great. Bella Ramsey is great. Anna Torv. I love Anna Torv from Fringe and Mindhunter also. Oh. You know, she does a lot of like genre TV, and I think she's really, really good. So I was happy to see her. I didn't know anyone in this show. 
Melanie Linsky just showed up in a, in a part. So it's got, you know, it's, it's a fucking HBO show. It's got, it, it yeah. looks good. <laughs> By Craig Mazin. Yes. Creator of The Hangover. Yeah. As you might expect, sometimes you have to crank the brightness on your TV all the way up and you still can't tell what's going on. But mm-hmm. there's some cool monsters, although, Leighton, you're never going to guess this. The real monster is us. <gasps> I know. I know, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I heard, I, I heard the it. Nick Offerman episode was good. Nick Offerman and fucking Murray Bartlett, who was the, the hotel manager on season one of The White Lotus. Those two, oh. that episode is great. And both of them are fantastic in it. It's essentially, it's almost a standalone episode that's then framed by some story stuff. But yeah. yes, those guys are great. Love both of them. Nick Offerman simultaneously playing into and against type it's a really, really wonderful episode and and the by far the best one of the season. Yeah. I'm not quite caught up. I'm just started the most recent episode, which I think is episode five. But it's got I, I I'm enjoying it. It is unclear where it's going and it sort of feels like it's spinning its wheels sometimes. But I would recommend. I, I've been enjoying it. And what I'm blissfully, blissfully unaware of is what happened in the game. So I don't know if it's accurate and I don't give a shit about it. Even if I knew the game, I wouldn't care about it. So I'm enjoying it. I recommend it. And I think it's interesting that it's like video game prestige TV, which one could imagine this will not be the last such. The last of us. Yeah. (laughs) And episode. Yeah. Boom. Right there. Yeah. That's not really like a thing that I want <laughs> to see. No, I, Unless anybody weird. would like to option a Dream Daddy TV show, in which case I will take a check. Thank you. Right, of course. Well, okay, pitch me. What's the Dream Daddy TV show? Brian, I've literally had to do this in actual meetings. I don't yeah. want to do it. Just pitch me. I, okay, I'm an, ex- I'm an executive. No. Pitch me the show. Great, You know perfect. my most favorite thing to do is talk about my oeuvre. Well- since you refuse to do it, that's exactly the kind of fuck you energy I'm looking for in my network. Here's pilot money. Oh, goodness. Thank you. You just played the game. You know, gaming is already as like thematically and mechanically incestuous as is because game developers just play other video games and watch anime, which is mm-hmm. fine to be clear. But that means that there's like any other influence happening. And so everything just becomes very, very samey. And then I see this getting into TV and I'm just, mm, no. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can understand that. I can also see the point of view where it's really no different from turning a book into a, a movie or yeah. a show or something like that, which, okay, there's going to be differences, whatever. The thing that I dislike about it is the ample opportunity it provides for people to complain that it's not exactly the same as their wildest expectations or get mad that, you know, there are LGBTQ characters in it as if that's not part of the real world or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, it seems to, and, and there's no real way around this. So I guess it's not really a problem, but it is just yet another form for people to be annoying in complaining about it, which yes, welcome to 2023, such as the internet. Yeah. I will say I did not miss the internet one iota. Yeah. I missed being able to talk to my friends, but that was it. Not, you know, and I didn't miss, quote unquote, miss anything like news, internet, culture wise. It was just like, yep. Shot down a bunch of balloons. There. Now you're caught up. Yeah. I heard that. I heard that. 
it's zombie apocalypse stuff. I don't fucking care. I don't care. Yeah, I'm I sorry. typically don't either. Not much of a zombie. Like I like Evil Dead, and that's pretty much where my interest in zombies stops. I say as a huge Fallout head, as somebody who spent like half my time in there just thinking about Fallout. Right. Fallout doesn't count because it's like 200 years after and there's like sure. new civilization. That's awesome. That is so cool. I love that. Immediate afterwards. Uh... Yeah. Anyway. Next segment. It's time for our final segment, mm. which is three parts gratitude exercise and one part petty grousing. Oh, and I got this, this cool, this cool sign that I haven't hung up yet. But, you know, get on the Patreon if you want to see what it is or take a wild guess. You are probably correct. Yes. You have two options if you know what the name of the segment is. Yeah. Anyway, this segment's called Peaches and Lemons. And here's Jerk, the theme song. The, Fuck. Put, shit. Put the, Fuck. Jerk, put, put the law and order sound effect in right here. <laughs> I like that better. Well, I'll I'll start with a lemon. Yeah, uh, Layton's back. <laughs> well, I, it is, it is related to that. It is that your lovely little dog will be leaving us soon, and it has been so much fun sharing our house with her for the last few weeks. And that dog rules. She's the best, right? I had only met her in person briefly as a puppy when you know she came to the office, and that was years ago. And she really is great, except for some mild carpet peeing issues, which yeah. are honestly small. She's fun. She likes to play. She's cute. She fucking she loves, loves chasing me. squirrels. Oh, that that dog. She's into my shit. And <laughs> it's very funny when I come into the house or out of, you know, a room in which I've been exercising or something to get this rapturous, insane reception to the extent where I'm like, how is her heart not exploding in her chest right now? Like, it's like a scanner's moment. She's great. We've loved having her. The picture of her staring at the bathroom that you were taking a bath in, just ramrod straight at attention. Yep. Yeah. She just loves everybody. And that sort of like reception that you've been getting is what I get all day, every day. It's and so great. Boy, did I miss that. Because it's tap, 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 the wiggling. So it's, she is. She's a great Because the last time I was gone, it was for three days. And when I got mm -hmm. back, that's when she started doing like, I would go to the shower and she thought that the shower was the hole in which I go to die and never come back yeah. from. And then the moment I'd open the door, she'd do her little like grumbling. Yep. It was adorable. So I'll, we'll adorable. see if she's still going to be mad at me or if she goes back to doing that. I don't know. I'd say it took her about a week to like really adjust to being here. Yeah. And also when I visited you guys the other day, she was super excited to see me and she, she was. was all over me, which was... was healing. Yes. So it's been great having her, but I'm sorry to see her go. Yeah. Well, you guys can take her anytime you want. And as Audrey suggested, she can just go quote unquote missing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My eight-year-old disappeared another dog. Oops. Yeah. I really liked the other night when she was hitting you and saying elder abuse, elder abuse. That really got me. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, she has a sense of humor. She really does. Yeah. I like it. Uh, what's your lemon? My lemon is a little bit of a, if you had spoken to me yesterday, this lemon would have been stronger. But now this lemon is not a problem or is mm. less of a problem. But, you know, I got back from treatment and I spent all my time in treatment being like, God, I can't wait to be in my own fucking bed and in my own place and have uh, personal autonomy. <laughs> and so I was like, I will spend one night 
in here, even though, you know, there's been an issue with some mouses and some rats. I got back in and I'm sitting on my balcony facing my sliding glass door on the ground because everything got moved around and Vernon very generously pressure washed my balk. But I was sitting on the ground and I smoked my first weed in like 16 days. And as I'm sitting there staring at the sliding glass door, like a shark swimming by in a big aquarium tank, I see the biggest fucking rat I've ever seen in my life crawl along the edge of the balcony door. And I named him Gordon. Mm-hmm. because in the light, he looked blonde and he was a big, handsome boy. But obviously I looked at that and was like, I can't be here right now. <laughs> and so I spent one night in my place and then immediately shipped off to Aaron and Susie's, but got an exterminator in and my place is covered with giant rat traps. So I stay at Aaron and Susie's and then I come here during the day to take care of stuff and put stuff in order. And every day I've been coming in and checking the traps. And one of them the other day, he set it off but he didn't get caught. And he's been eating, he's been eating the peanut butter off of the traps. And so I was resetting them, moving around, like disarming some. So he would get used to like, you know, this one's safe to eat off of. And every day I would come up here and be like, oh, please tell me I'm going to find a dead rat. Please tell me I'm going to find a dead rat. And today, what do you know? (laughs) Like I opened the door and he's in full view of the front door. And I immediately just start strutting around like, well, 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 who's a dumb bitch who got caught? So yeah, I came home to find Gordon dead today and oh my God, he is huge. He's huge. He's massive. And tonight you shall feast on rat. Yeah. It was a bittersweet moment because, you know, I hate to kill a thing. It sucks. Sure. Sometimes you have to though. When I found a mouse in my place last year, it got caught on something and I was able to put it in a glass and like carry it outside. But I was like, oh my God, if like I, I was crying, thinking about the possibility of having to kill it if it got mm-hmm. away again. It sucks. So yeah, hate it. Not great, but also was a real HP Lovecraft's rats in the walls situation. Yeah, you had to. You had no choice here. Yeah, yeah. You had set out other traps. They didn't work. Yep. This was the option you were left with. Yeah, and I would like to be in here ASAP so I can stop mooching off of my friends, even though it's been wonderful. But yeah, so Gordon is now double bagged outside my place while I wait for the exterminator to come tomorrow. And we're going to see if there's any new droppings because maybe it's not just Gordon. I don't know. And make sure everything's good and get the traps out of here so maybe can come skedaddle around. So that is a lemon that turned into a peach, but I've been really, really stressed every night that we don't catch him. Because it's gross. It's gross. Yeah, that tail. I'm just like thinking about his oh, tail. It's really it's so big. gross. Yeah. yeah. His, his tail is like half of Maybe's body. It's it's really long. It's like yeah. shockingly long. Well, do you yeah, want to like, segue I, into your peaches with that peach? Yeah, sure. I'll segue into my peaches. They're all things that I have already said here, but I am so grateful for every single one of my friends who supported me through this. And also for people who like weren't directly involved, but who I let know what was going on, like just a bunch of, you know, people I know and neighbors just being super supportive and sweet and understanding. And, you know, my friends who have directly helped me and supported me through this, like I really, you know, I have a hard time that people care about me. You know, that's just like one of my things and it just means a lot. So that is peach number one and will be my number one peach forever. Number two, I just wrote all caps, Gordon is fucking dead. (laughs) Sorry, buddy. Yep. Burn in hell, bitch. Yeah. You fucking donkey. (laughs) 
I can't do a Gordon Ramsay voice, but the whole time I was just thinking of, you know, Gordon going off. The human Gordon, not rat Gordon. This is not a ratatouille situation. You don't pay rent. To be fair, I did watch him cook and <laughs> it was really good. So yeah. it's a little bit of a ratatouille situation. It's a little bit. I of said ratatouille. 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 Anyway. Ratatouille. And then uh, my third peach is just that Susie and I went to like TJ Maxx and Home Goods the other day. I just needed like storage solutions and, you know, wanted to be in a store and hang out with Susie. And just like, man, I love TJ Maxx. <laughs> I love the constellation of like shit you don't need. But I got a bunch of candles. I got this like morph morph is it morphe i don't know but beautiful eyeshadows which i'm currently wearing and also this matches my keyboard mm-hmm, and my mm-hmm. general i don't think i can yeah i can't lift it up but you know rest assured that's what my keyboard looks like and i just had fun hanging out with Susie and looking at stuff i mean yeah i i love those too so and that means that tonight i get to go and i get to hang out with their cats and them and we'll have some nice food and just game and hang Hell out yeah which has been so good for my mental health. Yes, I bet. So yeah, those are my peaches. Brian, what about you? Well, uh, peach number one is that we had an outdoor leak uh, that got fixed. Finally, we called the plumber and they fixed it and it was cheaper than I thought. Now, they did identify a $10,000 problem that our home also had, but the one problem that I knew of was uh, at least fixed. So that's, that's good. good. Yes. And it, with the other problem, I was like, is this urgent? And they're like, it's not till it is, which I hate to hear, but kind of makes sense. Yeah. But the leak is fixed. And so that's a good thing. My next peach is that I just booked a gig opening for Twerp before Creator Clash. Oh my goodness. I am going to, I don't think this is officially announced yet, although it might be by the time this comes out. I will be in Tampa playing with Twerp or or before Twerp, I should say, as their opening act, as their support on April 14th, Friday, April 14th. I forget what the venue is. I'm going to be doing some smooth jazz. I might, might host a round of Is It Mayo live and leave a nice big old fat stack of mayo next to Meowch's station because I know how much he loves it. Yes. But it's it's going to be so great to be down there. So many friends are going to be there. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm excited to play this show with Twerp. I am excited to be there for that show in person. Yes. <laughs> is this, I mean, I know this is not, you know, totally set down yet, but would it be fair to say that people might look forward to some creator clash late night coverage i think we're gonna try yes on the ground yep on the ground on the ground our first ever remote journalist type situation yeah so that'll be pretty cool i'm very i'm excited to watch my friends hit each other in the face really hard same same i've been seeing a lot of it staying oh yes susie i sit on the little gladiator seat and i watch my friends hit each other and it's awesome yeah and my final peach is just that you're back i missed you And I'm happy to have you back and be back at it with this show that I love doing so much with you. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're doing better. Thank you. And it's nice to be back in the saddle, so to speak. 
It is nice to be back in the saddle. I just got to a point where I stopped doing bits in there because they were not even remotely landing. And I was like, oh, what's the fucking point? What's the point? Yeah. It's bad for one's mental health to be around a a bit-averse crowd. Yeah. Yeah. And the bit-averse is actually where I, where I live. The bit-averse. Yeah? That's where you're from? Yeah. It's, it's like the multiverse, but with bits. When I'm in a situation, I see Minority Report style, every possible bit unfolding in front of me. And then I do the drop down menu and I pick one and I drop it into the world. I manifest the bit of first. Wow. Yeah. What, what currency is there in the bit of verse? Well, Bitcoin. Is it the same Bitcoin that we have here? Yes. It's identical. It's a one-to-one ratio. <laughs> so would you, are you bit rich? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do I want to say? I'm, uh, no, that joke's not going to land. Never mind. I picked the wrong bit. Drop this entirely. <laughs> Sounds like someone's getting a little divested from their bit roots. Yeah. Here. Yeah. I need, I need, I need to, I need to reinvest my bits, but yes. Anyway, <laughs> enough about the bit Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to this very special episode it of really late was. night with Brian Wecht. Hey, fellow people with mental illness. Shout out to you. You exist. And I'm glad that you exist. And we're all here together. And we're all coming. (laughs) (laughs) I feel feel like that's better than whatever fucking mental health platitude I could pop out. Just, you know, whether you're personally, emotionally, actually, creatively, uh, goblin, just whatever you are, I hope you're coming. Stay strong. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Goodbye. I missed you all. (laughs) Late Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com.